Episode four, I had Meta Sarmiento and Alejandro Jimenez come in from Team Slam Nuba for the National Poetry Slam 2017. They are here to just talk a little bit about poetry, a little bit about the event coming up August 7th through 12th, their participation with Slam Nuba, their participation with the National Poetry Slam. Super nice guys. Loved having them in here. It's a pretty quick episode, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. Go to the National Poetry Slam August 7th to 12th in Denver, Colorado. Find Meta and Alejandro on the internet. They are they are amazing. Alejandro has a story about a dreaming that uh, you should listen to. So uh, yeah, enjoy. Don't you think we need more room? Who wants to go first? Where else? Meta. <laughs> They're playing uh, Rochambeau right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, my name is Meta Sarmiento. I'm originally from the island of Guam. I moved to Denver last year. And how I got into poetry. So I, it was 2007. I was a junior in high school. And my English teacher busted through my chemistry class. And she was like, hey, I need to borrow John for an, a presentation. I was like, what kind of presentation is this? Right. And so she said that it was a poetry presentation. And she knew that I, I had written poetry before, but I didn't particularly love poetry because it was just really confusing and cryptic uh. and just hard to understand. You know what I mean? But she was like, she was saying that it was a totally different type of poetry. It's something I had never seen before so we went to the library and there was a a bunch of folks doing spoken word poetry and that was like my introduction to performance poetry mm. and spoken word and they were promoting an event and hope hoping to launch like a new organization that focused on performance poetry in guam so yeah i got interested I, I got involved i went to the slam i competed for the first time and back then there were no divisions there was no adult or youth division so it was just mm. like free for all so i was competing as a kid against adults so that was just like initiation, like trial by fire, you know. Yeah. Um, and I did pretty well against uh. the adults. So that's that's sort of what, um, was like my indication as to whether or not I should do it. You know, I was doing mm. well. So I was like, ah, I think I could be good at this. So there was no young people doing poetry? Just the people that like me and my homies brought in. Oh. And so it was just like a bunch of high school kids who had been exposed during the presentations who mm. rolled in and kind of just hit the mic that night. Huh. And, and those and so, older people had been doing poetry in other places, I guess. Yeah, for like the last two to three years because huh. they had been focusing so much on just the adult scene. And so they started coming to the schools so that they could expand into the youth scene or yeah. create one, you know? Totally. Yeah, so uh. that's pretty much how I got started. In my class, Jeremy never sits in the same seat. It's like each desk is a house he can't afford, so he's always moving. I guess he got used to moving growing up because his mom couldn't pay rent. I ask myself, how could I make a class feel like home if a kid doesn't know what home's supposed to feel like in the first place? He hates being here. He hates his uniform. He hates his work. He hates all his teachers. But he says, sir, I like you, sir. You're fucking badass. And I say, Jeremy. Watch your mouth. He says, what channel? I say, any channel, Jeremy, any channel. But please, just not the news. See, Jeremy totes a gang sign like a handgun. 
brushes grades off like dust after a street fight. He thinks a snapback is more stylish than a grad cap. He says, sir, fucking A+. I'm a G. <laughs> and I get where Jeremy's coming from. I've seen hard times and empty pockets turn heroes into villains. Kids trade capes for rags till they learn to save themselves. When I was a young buck, I helped my homie steal clothes from the mall cause his mom couldn't buy him any. Money was tied to the office clenched in a riot. Budgets cut like our lips in a street fight. Blood and failing are two things I'm very familiar with. So when I see Jeremy passed out, sleeping on a desk, I get angry cause that's not what I meant when I said you need a dream. So I tell Jeremy, wake up. I know life's hard, but you can't crumple like paper. You don't belong in a trash bin. You're not someone else's garbage. Don't recycle your OG's histories. I respect your gang's flag, and I believe in the promise of brotherhood. But brothers should keep you safe, man. Not dare you to rot in a prison cell. And if you must steal something, go steal a book from the library. And how about you break your back like a jaw until you can help your mom pay the bills. Don't you know you could become a doctor or a politician or businessman? But first, you gotta be a better man. The world is so much bigger than the girls you fuck and the punks you knock out. You'll miss the most amazing things in life with your eyes shut so tightly. So unclench them. Get up. Slowly but surely, the same way the sun yawns light into your small apartment and quit fighting so damn much. You can't love the things you never hold. So soften your fist. And Jeremy, I'm not saying put your hands down. I'm saying use them for a better purpose. I mean, come on. How the hell can you make it out there if you can't even make it in here? Now, I say all this to him. With my hands in his face, my finger pointed at him like a gun, and he goes, Sir, this is why you're fucking badass. And I say, Jeremy, watch your mouth. Cool, so my name is Alejandro Jimenez. I am originally from Mexico, uh, from Colima, Mexico. Um, I was born there, and I immigrated to the U.S. Uh, when I was eight years old um, in the back of a car. And so um, I moved to Oregon directly, um, and I've been here in Denver for eight years now. And I got into poetry. Um, in high school, I really had a, I had a crush on this girl. And so I... <laughs> like everything uh, starts with yeah. this story, yes. <laughs> and so I, 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 what I would do, uh, it wasn't my original poetry, but it was like I would take these really cheesy Mexican love songs, like love ballads, and I would translate them into English and I would like give it to her and I was like look I wrote this for you and I was like totally plagiarizing you know um, but then I was like oh this is kind of cool you know uh, but then in, in college you know I, I really got into it like you know just like you know just writing and, and performing um, a little bit towards the end and then when I moved to Denver right out of college like it was like I didn't know there was so many spots here to go and read every mm -hmm. like almost every single night uh, you know of the week yeah. it was really cool and, and then just being exposed to like I didn't know there was poetry slam until I moved here mm -hmm. you know um, I just went because I wanted to read, you know, um, and, you know, because I had that eagerness to, to do so and mm. just got exposed to it. You know, meet people and like, I'm like, oh, like there's another venue. Cool. Like, I'll go to that venue, too. And, and, and so like pretty soon, like I was like trying out for slam teams and mm. um, doing that kind of stuff. And like I just like 
fall in love with it. Who who was someone you met early on in Denver? Early on that, that like I, influenced you, I guess. Um, I would say not someone particular, but a venue, uh, Cafe Cultura. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the uh, second Fridays of every month, or uh, off of like Ninth and Galapago. Um, so Ara Cruz, uh, who's one of the co-founders, Bobby Lefebvre, one of the co-founders there. And then you know from there I started going to Nuba as well and mm-hmm. just meeting everybody there. You know, uh, Allende, Susie, uh, Dominique. Uh, Theo, Lucifer Wilson, uh, Javon, mm. uh, all those people. Uh, Hoser, um, mm. you know, people that I started meeting, and I was like, "Well, th- th- these cats are pretty cool." Yeah, you know, I should probably like try to roll with them. And yeah. So, letter to my future children. When I am gone, I hope you smile every time you think of me. That's the kind of father that I want to be. My wingspan is a measure of how much I want to hold you, so that I can synchronize my heart to yours. Like I'll never want to let go when we send you off to college. When you ask me about your grandfather, he's the reason why I'm writing this for you. He left your grandmother pregnant with this mistake inside of her, but I don't blame her for ever having questioned my birth. So if you ever catch me listening, that's with my father. I'm just trying to construct memories of a father that I never had. My goal in life is to be there for you when you come to tell me that there's a monster under your bed. And I will look with you, and we will find nothing. I will remind you that monsters are not real, so don't be afraid to pursue your dream. I wrote you this poem because I don't want you to grow up with the missing father. And I titled this poem, Letter to My Future Children. And I signed it to be continued because I want us to finish writing this poem together. What's interesting is when I started poetry, we would like scour the internet, you know, for poets and stuff. And the Denver poets were some of the first poets I was exposed to when I started back in Guam. Wow. Yeah. And that's like partly why I chose to move to Denver, because I know that so many of the poets, like even just the list that Alejandro had just mentioned. Yeah. Like I was already so familiar with them before even moving here. Wow. Yeah. Because they were already like on my radar. Uh, They were so well respected. I admired a lot of their work and the way they perform and stuff like that. Like that, and so. was it mostly through like YouTube and things yeah, like that? Yeah, YouTube. Um, and then when I started doing like international events, right, for Brave New Voices as mm-hmm. a kid, like I started getting exposed to Denver's youth poets as well. And so like the connections and the networking just kept growing and growing. And so like when you came into Denver, were you like intimidated to like? For sure, man. Like, did you put these people <laughs> on a pedestal at all? Yeah, oh, for I'm sure. sure. Yeah. Um, I was definitely terrified. Uh, so. <laughs> Um, me and Joel are both on Slam Nuba this year. And so in order to get onto the team, you have to qualify for the team selection slam. Mm. So in my qualifier bout, I went up against Lucifuri. <laughs> and so like he's, you know, like he, he's a, like a staple in Denver's poetry scene. Yeah, and like yeah. I've known about him for years before uh, even coming to Denver. So yeah. I was definitely intimidated. How'd you do? I did pretty well. I took second in our bout. So, nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So you guys are both on the, the slam team for NPS, National yep. Poetry Slam, yep. this year. Okay. Who else is on the team? So we have Hoser. Uh, we have Tolu Wanimi and also Lucifer. How many? Oh, and, and Johnny Osais are alternate. Okay. On most days, I'm awake before the sun. I shampoo my hair, I lather my skin, and I'm on the road before the sky paints the jungle's gold. I inhale the smell of ocean water before my morning coffee, and I swallow a blue bay, brightening against the horizon. In Guam harbors, you don't ever hear foghorns, but lately, clouds have been clinging too closely to shorelines and branches. There's some type of fog in our jungles. It floated from across the water. It's embraced our mountainsides. And although this haze is a stunning visitor, 
I know that the ghostly cloak is covering a distant decay. There are fires burning in Indonesia, lit by the arsonist who wakes before the sun too, smells gasoline before his morning coffee, and takes in a lit torch against the helpless woods. Flames spread like dawn and paint the forest black. If a tree burns and no one is around to hear it, does it still crackle? How much land was scorched so I could shampoo my hair and lather my skin? Palm tree oil is an ingredient in almost all of my daily comforts. There is ash in every squeeze, an endangered species in every quart, a destroyed habitat in every bottle. The heart of luxury is charcoal. Profit is pulled from a furnace and I am choking on the smoke. But this haze, visiting my island is proof that I may have started the fires too. And I wonder, how hard must I cough before I decide to help extinguish them? But yeah. usually how it works is so you get like the 80 teams that show up or however many teams will show up this this uh, this year and everybody performs at least eight poems, right? Right. Okay. So you perform twice uh, or, or two nights. And then from there, uh, those are pre prelims. And then from there, you go on to semifinals, which I think it's like 24 teams they boil it down to, maybe less, on the, uh, you know. Um, yeah. And that's the third night. Um, so Tuesday through Thursday are prelims. Yep. Um, then Friday are semifinals, and then Saturday they boil the winners of each of the bouts. On Friday, we'll go on to final stage, which is Saturday at mm -hmm. night, um, and that will be a total of four teams. Each competition is like an individual does a poem, individual, individual, or are mm -hmm. you guys doing poems as a as a team? It's up to the team. Okay, it's, it's up, up to the team. team. You can send individuals, you can send group pieces. It's okay, so but we're scored do. as a collective. So okay. even if only one person from your team goes up, it's mm. a it's a team score. Are you guys participating or doing workshops, or are you participating in other ways other than just competing? I mean, there are really cool, some really really cool workshops, and some really cool events. Like there is going to be like some really cool poets that come in from out of town yeah. doing workshops and that kind of stuff. If everything from like how to write to like how do you want to tour or how do right. you publish a book yep. you know to how to and, and all kinds of like different slams i think there's gonna be like uh <laughs> an erotic slam and like a yeah. nerd slam yeah there's gonna be like a burlesque show put on by, by lady speech so uh awesome. i mean there's gonna be a lot something for everybody you uh -huh. know yeah. uh you know like poetry slam is not gonna be for everybody not everybody's gonna like it but during the whole festival mm. uh there's gonna be something for everybody yeah. to, to participate yeah. in cool I'm, i think i'm definitely gonna get down in the rookie slam Okay. Yeah, because cool. I'm a rookie, considering. Um, this is my first year on Slam Nuba. So okay. I think there's going to be a slam dedicated to just the rookies of National Poetry mm. Slam that are coming in. Constitutes a rookie. I How think, long have you been um, doing? No, I think if it's your first time on a National Poetry Slam team, you're considered a rookie. Okay, yeah. gotcha. What would you be considered, Alejandro? Sophomore. Oh, gee. <laughs> <laughs> sophomore. <laughs> sophomore. So once you do four years, what ends up happening? Can you keep going? No. I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, rookie, I yeah, just for your first year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we'll pace yeah. it out. Pace out your, <laughs> how many times you get in. Se van perdiendo en el tiempo mis años. Se van quedando muy lejos. Ya no me lleva mi madre la mano, solamente sus consejos. Viven en mí los recuerdos de niño, 
Cuando una estrella deseaba Como recuerdo a mi madre Que con eso sonreía Mientras mi padre miraba The touch of your hands That's what I imagine clouds to feel like you Cradle the sun Fed it from your breast and gave it life That's, that's how strong you Ever since I can remember, you have always extended your hands out to strangers and spoken with conviction you have never. Needed a college degree to prove your wisdom. You have left. Your fingerprints on pear trees and haven't held pesticides for fresh breath, cherry blossoms, they were honored to provide shade for you. You would climb to the highest up on the rusty ladder to pick the highest fruits. But really, you were trying to touch the sky, looking for a door to heaven that you still haven't found, so you pray. But never for yourself. Selfishness has never been a way of your part of life. We tell me that we need to have faith, and I says, yeah, we do. But why is it that we always end up praising the gods of the people that killed our grandparents? As a little kid, I would sit in the kitchen for hours and then examine the faults. Then there increases the handship de la masa para las tortillas. That's how I learned how to read your emotions for you. Cooking books have always been overrated, so you pump from recipes that dance around your cooking pots and give birth to the best pozole, enchiladas, tamales, and frijoles. You have taught me the meaning of them through your seasonings. Mother, I want to walk with. To where your spirit goes when you sleep, and I want to whisper in the tear, and I'm thankful for all of your lessons. See my mother. She used, to, she used to tell me about her frustrations by trying to write them on my torso with her fists. Her class struggle is still imprinted on my back when the beauty of her backhand would burst my lips open. She would say, That's. That's why reality tastes like me who get used to it. Acostumbrate, she is living proof the borders are man made along her right thigh. But wires through a map of her Arizona desert crossing, and at night, she will let us follow with her fingertips, and every goosebump, she will tell us about her drip. Those. Those were bedtime stories. And when she died, we were falling asleep. Through her tears, she would use her pupils as brushes to paint photographs of her sons behind her eyelids because her miserable wage, it couldn't always afford school pictures. And just like she doesn't know that I write poetry, she doesn't know that I still remember every single one of them. And I saw was my mother carries the weight of a culture in her hands. That's why she has cows. Because with her two sons, she has redefined at least twice in her lifetime along her spine. She carries the wisdom of her grandmother, tells us not to forget where we come from and to plan for our return. She is careful to remind us that we did not choose to come here. We were forced to. She used to braid sun rays with her hair just to prove that nothing is unreachable. That's why she tried to touch the sky just to prove that nothing is unreachable. That's why she tried to touch the sky to prove that there is beauty beyond abuse. Broken beer bottles, needles, and miscarriages. She carries so much more weight so that I won't have to. And she prays like she has something to repent for, not realizing that her house has become a heaven and she is the goddess that has never been conquered. kind of describe one of your favorite poems you have written in the past and what made it stand out i know this is kind of an off the wall so i mean if it's if it's an overwhelming question no worries no i just i'm trying to think <laughs> i know yeah so um i'm not very religious um I, even though i was raised catholic and 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 and, and still to like you know fear god and all that kinds of you know stuff so i'm not i'm really prescribed to that you know um but i do believe in dreams you know and and, mm. and and what the message is they might be in those dreams and so one dream that i always have and by always i mean maybe like once a year once every two years it's very like vivid you know and the first time i had it it was like i was like really freaked out i was in college um you know I was, I, I'm, I'm the first one in my family to go to, to go to school you know i'm being undocumented and like carrying all that weight you know mm -hmm. which can sometimes feel like a burden you know but at the same time it feels really cool so i had like this dream where my grandma and I are in Mexico and my town is overlooked by this mountain or this kind of peak. 
Um, and so we were running up it, mm-hmm. right? And, and we're like really scared. I'm really scared. And I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? And she won't answer or anything like that. And, and she's like, don't, don't look back. Just keep running. Just keep running. And, you know, um, okay. We get to the top of the peak and we turn around and like my town's on fire and like everybody's like dead Whoa. or like fighting or whatever, right? And so I turn around to my grandma and she's like, she's put like like so, like several seeds in front of me. And like, that's where the dream stops. Oh. Every, and, and, like, er, and like every time I've, I've, I've been able to see like more and more of it, you know, um, and I haven't had the dream in a while maybe like close to a year or a year and a half now um and so like the poem that i wrote uh about it it's about that you know you know just describing the dream you know basically what i told you all i just recited the poem basically you know and and, and so that kind of what it means you know to um not necessarily leave somewhere you know but just like something so beautiful you know which is my small town in mexico to Mm -hmm. me so beautiful seeing it up in flames you know um at the same time, when I was writing the poem, there was that whole thing with the uh, uh, Dakota Access Pipeline. Mm. And mm-hmm. so um, there was a quote that I've always like, I don't know who said the quote, but the quote is something like, you know, there will come a time when we seek refuge in the mountains to uh, escape the burning fires in the plains. There we will uh, plan our return to that charred land. Mm. Um, and so I was thinking about, I was like, well, my town was on fire <sighs> in my dreams. And like now this ground is on fire. And, yeah. and so like, it's kind of like trying to ask that question. Well, where are the mountains that we're gonna seek refuge? Hmm. To? You know, where are they? You know, yeah. and like that's how the you know, like, you know, like that's how it ends. And that's something I ask myself constantly. You know, what is our mountain? If it's not something physically that we're gonna run to, mm-hmm. where is it? You know, and huh. you know, I, I mean, to be like really, really cheesy and really obvious, I guess poetry. You know, yeah, is yeah, my yeah. mountain. You know, you, you know, still have that dream or no? Some t- yeah, like I said, I haven't had it in like about a, a year and a half. But I still have it. So if something comes in that dream that's new or different, Mm -hmm. will you, like, open up that poem again? Probably, yeah. I mean, I I just wrote wrote that poem, like, maybe, like, a year and a half ago because I was like, oh, this makes sense not to write it. Oh, interesting. Um, I think I tried to take a step at writing something about it, like, you know, when I very first had it, which is, like, my junior year or senior year in college. No, that's perfect. That's so great. I'm, I'm not sure what the seeds mean. You know, they're different, <laughs> yeah. they're different colors, you know, but <laughs> that's all I know. But I'm different like, colors. I'm like, oh, which one should I pick? You know? So you um, see colors in your dreams? The, only the seeds were color. Oh. But, but they were like the corns, right? So were the, they were like corn seeds. So they were like the purple corn, the red corn, the yellow corn, and uh, like whitish corn. Um, and then oh. like something that seemed purple, but I, just, I thought it was just like a deep red. I know. That was a good one. That was a really good one. Yeah, that was. Dang, Joel. That was good, I know, man. That, well, I didn't hear that story. Yeah, that That's was good. I'm hearing it, too. <laughs> um, so I think for me, I don't think I have, like, a particular poem that I, I gravitate to or, like, could choose to be my favorite. But I do know that, like, since leaving Guam, I've been, like, now that there's distance between me and the place that I grew up in, I've been able to sort of unpack a lot of the things that happened to me from, that happened to me at home. Um, And sort of, like, I started interrogating, kind of, like, the moments that have shaped me up until this point. And I I began writing a lot about, like, my family a lot more. One important poem, I think, for me is the moment that, like, my mom and I had a conversation about religion. And when she finally, like, accepted or heard me say that I don't want to go to church anymore. Mm -hmm. And, like, growing up in a Filipino, household like that's blasphemy you know what i'm saying like and so yeah and so that that conversation was like really hard right for us to have as Uh. as a mother and son being able to like get past it and Mm. for her to not lose faith in my goodness despite the fact that i'm not going to church or whatever Uh. yeah wow Um, so is your whole family really really 
super yeah like a bunch of my family members are very catholic very uh, religious yeah. yeah do you gravitate towards people that are religious or no as you're like friends um, and things like that i think i gravitate opposite, opposite. yeah like yeah. people who who also aren't so religious um uh, who are also like searching for their own humanity in their own terms and yep. stuff like that and trying to find and put faith into things that they can see and touch mm. and really believe in because it's here or yeah, whatever totally yeah Totally. So that that poem is definitely important for me. I think recently, anyway, I've written that poem. Okay. Yeah. And the ocean, like now that I'm in a landlocked <laughs> state, yeah. like man, the ocean has been showing up in my writing so much. Huh? Yeah, it's crazy. I've never written about the ocean so much before in my life until really? now. Like, like almost, huh. I I would say like fifty percent of my poems really? have been ending with ocean metaphor. <laughs> really? Yeah. Interesting. It's crazy. Are they in I your mean, DNA as well? They're in my DNA, bro. <laughs> <laughs> So, awesome. Yeah, it's been insane. That's great. All right, well, go see these guys at National Poetry Slam. They're going to be... For sure. I'll, I'll edit in some weird thing where I make a yeah. better reason why you guys <laughs> should go see them. This has been Meta and Alejandro. From Slam Nuba. We go ahead. Perfect. That's the way we do it. All right, thanks, guys. Peace. Oh, cool. NPSDenver.com is where you'll find all information on the National Poetry Slam. And check out Meta and Alejandro. Google their names. Find them. They, uh, yeah, can't say enough. This has been the Slam Nuba KGNU After FM podcast. Keep an eye out for the sporadic episodes. And uh, go see some poetry. The art of fighting without fighting. The art of fighting without fighting. Show me some of it. 